Do you ever delight in watching babies learning to walk? What do you notice? They fall a lot. You never question why they fall. It's obvious they are learning. But why do they get back up? When they put themselves up to try again, why are they smiling and giggling instead of crying? The answer is that they find joy in learning, growing and gaining mastery. This very insightful quote by Susan Fowler has been shared by my next guest, who is Petra Spiteri. Um, Petra is an accredited mindfulness trainer for adults and children. She runs mindfulness courses and helps clients both on a one-to-one -one basis and as a group, both as families or, and in the corporate setting. And she focuses on anxiety, stress, reactivity, and worry and improving emotional awareness and resilience and background about Petra. She's a mom of two boys who are 11 and nine and a wife to an emergency doctor who I've had the pleasure of, of working with in my foundation years as well. Um, Petra is currently studying gestalt psychotherapy and trauma-sensitive mindfulness in order to add to her resources and to support others. Welcome, Petra, and um, thank you very much for accepting my invitation to talk about your, uh, your topic. Um, uh, and without further ado, I'm, I would like to go into the first, um, uh, the first question. Um, referring back to the quote that I've I've just read, um, um, there is a difference between how children learn and how we learn as adults, and what what happens in the process. What makes us change our ways as we grow older? So I thank you, Antonella, for, for um, inviting me to share some, some thoughts with you. Um, I'd like to start with the proviso that I'm not a developmental child developmental specialist. I'm talking from uh, the outlook of a mindfulness adult and, and uh, kids trainer and from the, a mom's point of view as well. I, as you said, I have two kids. Um, what I can say, what I've had some time to reflect on this is the fact that when we're children or when we're babies, um, we're curious, we're curious, mm -hmm. we want to taste, touch, we want to discover things. Um, what happens is that then as we grow older, older kids or then adults, um, there are other things that come in and the other things that come in into our curiosity are uh, maybe judgments, judgments mm -hmm. of ourselves and our capabilities, judgments of the situation, mm -hmm. how it is. Um, there is much more um, inner talk, which maybe when you're a baby, you don't have that, that mm -hmm. level of, of, of awareness. More and intuitive when we're, we're very much younger, uh -huh. right? And this can then block us sometimes. It can put us back because it, we put up stories in our mind, which sometimes <laughs> are not really even facts. That's and true. That's true. it stops you. Another thing, maybe even as you grow older, you're more goal driven. You know, when you're learning something, I have a goal, I want to reach this goal. The thing is, life is so fast sometimes that you, you say you want to achieve a goal, but you don't really give yourself time to think if that goal is realistic, is it mm -hmm. really achievable? Maybe mindfulness then comes in because you take the time to process it more, observe mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. more. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm Definitely. being clear. 
definitely. Now, how about resilience? I mean, in children, we observe a lot of resilience when they're learning, um, especially their first steps and a lot of uh, information coming their way. How does resilience evolve as we grow older? And how does our resilience in turn um, influence our health behaviors? Yes, um, I guess it's best to start by defining what resilience is. So mm -hmm, definitely. What it is when I when I uh, research it is it's your ability to recover quickly from uh, a difficulty from a situation. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. your kind of your emotional toughness. It's that the thing is um, uh, what what some people say is that it's not the nature of the adversity which is important, but how you deal with an adversity. Mm -hmm. um, and this is something I'm seeing even from my studies in trauma sensitive mindfulness mm -hmm. because. Maybe what people, somebody might think is not traumatic, for example, COVID, they might think, ah, oh, it's a bad year. Mm -hmm. Somebody else might see it like a traumatic year. Yes, yes. In fact, there has a lot of, um, how can I say, a lot of people have really um, thrived in this situation, while others have, uh, unfortunately, um, uh, have gone down a very bad path. So uh, some people are capable of recognizing the opportunity in a situation and uh, and really doing well, whilst others might consider it a personal tragedy. So that is, uh, um, yes. that is a truth. And how about mindfulness? How would you describe mindfulness? And how can we use it to make healthier choices? All right, so there are various definitions one can find um, about mindfulness, but to put it simply, basically, mindfulness is um, the awareness that arises on purpose to this present moment, non-judgmentally. Now that's the key. Very often right. we burden ourselves. We might stop for a second and think about what action or what we've done, but then the judgments come in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying that when you're mindful, you're a blank slate and you don't yeah, have any They're thoughts. still there, but <laughs> in the background, right? But they're, they're, you're aware when they happen. Mm -hmm. You're aware mm -hmm. when they're there. And um, this has a big impact then on the resilience. If we go back to, for example, how can we be more resilient? How can we bounce back in the face mm -hmm. of adversities and recover? There are certain things which hinder us sometimes from bouncing back. Um, in fact, there is something that um, the founder of positive psychology, his name is Martin Seligman, mm -hmm. um, says there are the three Ps which affect our uh, resilience. The first P is personalization. What I mean is that if mm -hmm. something happens to you, you always end up blaming yourself. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. cannot do this. I am, mm -hmm. I am not managing. When sometimes it might not always be necessarily due to related to you, related to you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where does mindfulness come in that in mindfulness practice which is various activities when we're practicing mindfulness there are meditations that we do mm -hmm. which are not the hypnosis and going far away on a desert island okay. it's being in tune with myself Right, so it's, it's being more present in, in the moment rather than uh, um, going in, in a more of a, a subconscious state, right? Yes. So if okay. you're thinking of something and you're, for example, blaming yourself for something that's happening, the mindfulness practice will bring you back there and say, all right, Mela, is it my fault or isn't it my fault? If it isn't my fault, how can I cultivate letting go? If it's not something in my control, how can I mm -hmm. work on the letting go? Mm -hmm. If it is my fault, 
because I'm managing not managing to do something. Because yeah. we have to own responsibility I, as well, right? When when uh, we are responsible for certain behaviors that, that we do, um, and, yeah. and how can we address that in that case? Then what we would do is say, all right, Mela, this is up to me. What can I do to maybe now what I've done in the past? Because mindfulness is awareness of the present moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What I didn't manage to do till a second ago, I can't change it. It's been done. Mm-hmm. And there you would work if you still don't manage to let go of it on cultivating, we'll talk about it later, self-compassion. Mm-hmm. But what okay. I can still do, then I will make some plans on what I can do. And I can see that this really relates to, um, I often see people who uh, obviously with uh, healthy eating because it's the area that I work in, um, uh, we often have some stumbling blocks and we might you know, give in to a piece of cake or chocolate or whatever. And uh, some people are resilient and mindful and they say, okay, that's it, it happens, let me continue. Whilst others um, give up um, sometimes on the first uh, occasion and, and being mindful and resilient would really help um, and even these uh, self-talks where, where you analyze what happened, why, your role in it and so on and, and planning for the future as well. So that is really fitting in beautifully with uh, um, our behavior regarding to health, right? Now, how about, um, you, you have touched on what is done during mindfulness. Um, uh, you mentioned uh, other things. Yes, um, and would you describe maybe what is done? Um, uh, you, you mentioned when we were talking the other time um, about uh, um, uh, co- co- mindfulness-based cognitive therapy. Maybe you can describe it a bit more in detail yes. and give us some more um, information. Since mindfulness is a way of living, um, you have to slowly, slowly um, do different practices because mindfulness is based on the premise that there is what is called neuroplasticity, that the mind, like you take your muscles to the gym, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. your mind, you need to take it to the gym. Yes, definitely. So slowly, slowly. It's usually, for example, the courses that I organize are, are six-week courses. Mm-hmm. With a so it's, it's giving enough time to, to allow for that plasticity, yes, right? You build up on it so that um, you teach your mind to increase this awareness of what what thoughts are coming up in my mind right now, whilst I'm asked to ground myself with, we can ground ourselves so we get in the present moment with different things, with the breathing, with the Mm -hmm. sense of touch. But then when you're doing it, very, very often a whole barrage of thoughts come in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, okay, they came. Once they're there, how do I feel them manifesting in my body? Am I having any tightness in my chest, my shoulders, tension, my jaw? And you don't reject them because what happens very often in a normal life is when these things happen, they're not pleasant. You push them aside. You push them aside. You go on the sofa, watch TV, Mm -hmm. go on Facebook. So in the six-week journey, first you understand a bit the mind, how it works when you're under stress. Mm -hmm. And then... Each week you discuss different aspects and you understand more and have different meditations on worry, on reactivity and anger, um, on pain and how much we suffer sometimes on top of the physical pain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because the emotional then comes in as well and it makes it even worse. Uh So it's good. So um, the the person doing the course would be equipped with uh, different tools 
according to the different situations. Yes, and even mindful eating, Antonella, I tell yes. them. Actually, we do it in the first session, in the first lesson. All I right, them. all right. I give them a raisin and we have to eat this raisin mindfully. And it's okay. a, a real big test to patients. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Really connect with impatience when we have this raisin in our mouth and we cannot chew it. We mm -hmm. have to, to wait. Yeah. Because... And we're too fast. Life yes. is so fast. And in fact, a lot of problems that we have, like in digestion, um, weight gain, and other things are related to the fact that we are not mindful when we eat because we gobble our food up and we don't even realize that we've eaten and uh, and obviously we end up eating more. And another thing as well um, that you've, you've touched on, um, we often put our emotions aside, um, but that does not mean that they have been forgotten because a lot of our emotions express themselves. And I, I see this very often in symptoms. For example, you might have uh, eczema, um, we might have uh, irritable bowel syndrome, for example. Those are all um, symptoms that come from our tension Emotion. and stress that we have not dealt with. So uh, finding ways to get our emotions out of us and dealing with them um, is a very good way to maintain good health. And what, what are your views on this? Um, have you encountered yes. maybe some experiences um, as well? Mind Sorry, I interrupted you. It's okay. Um, mindfulness started years back. Um, uh, it was basically, it comes far, far away from the Buddhist practice, but they mm -hmm. removed completely the religious aspect out of it. Okay. And they started in hospital. It started by this right. doctor, John Kabat-Zinn. Um, and one of the first practices or uses of it, apart from in stress and in pain, was also in psoriasis. You right. mentioned this, which is related very much to the to the psyche, so uh -huh. Uh -huh. makes perfect sense. Um, there's a lot of data. I, I like the. I, I'm I'm a keen believer because this is actually evidence based. Mm -hmm. It's not just. Some people think it's this yogi guru type of thing. Yes. In fact, um, I remember when I went to medical school um, almost 20 years ago. Now, um, the outlook was different. Now we're learning. We're learning more about mind and body and how we can treat the mind and uh, different modalities that we can use. So um, as the time goes by, there is more awareness about uh, um how 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 to uh, treat ourselves in, in different ways as well and there's evidence in favor of of uh, um, these practices as well so you are very right in pointing out that it's not just you know <laughs> fancy talk it's it's evidence based all the way now um in fact there's scientific evidence that shows that mindful meditation helps um, uh, first of all, in altering the structures and the functions of the brain, which you mentioned um, as neuroplasticity. Maybe you can elaborate a bit more on, on what happens um, yes. when we are being more mindful. It's extremely, extremely interesting. What uh, studies have showed is that uh, regular mindfulness practice, as I mentioned, just the meditation. Um, most of the studies focus on the meditation, mm -hmm. but apart from that, what we also do, even in, in the courses, is the informal practice, mindful eating, mindful taking, a, when you're taking a shower, you feel the hot water, mm -hmm. you smell mm -hmm. Taking time to enjoy the, the so, whole experience in life, right? I'll correct you on one thing, not necessarily enjoy. Mm -hmm. That's the That's thing. Some people think it is enjoyment. It is even experiencing something which you might not classify as enjoyable, because mindfulness puts a carpet to whatever is here, even sadness, even fear um, or impatience. You're there, 
you're with it, mm -hmm. observing some feeling comfortable, making space with it, and then eventually letting it go. So going back to the evidence that you asked me about, studies show that regular mindfulness practice changes the structure of the mind, of the brain, and the function. They did MRI studies in people before and after doing uh, mindfulness practice mm -hmm. for a number of weeks. And the areas of the mind, which are associated, for example, with anger, with hostility, those shrink more. They, they get right. And the they become underactive. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. And underactive. And the areas associated with empathy, with compassion, those, there's more activity in them. Mm -hmm. And they actually, this, it's not just the activity, the activity and the size. They, they and the size as well. So we're actually uh -huh. building um, uh, brain cells in areas that are going to benefit us and, and connections as well as, as we go along. And it's also yeah. important because we're not going to go into it, but a lot of diseases can be prevented through um, improving our neuroplasticity. So mindfulness is also a way of uh, making sure that uh, we grow older in a more um, healthy way as well, that we don't uh, maybe have uh, neurodegenerative and uh, yes. other problems as we grow older. Now, um, we touched on self-compassion in the beginning of, uh, of our chat. Um, maybe you'd like to give us more detail about how we can be compassionate to ourselves and why it is a source of strength and resilience as well. Yes. Um, first of all, what do we mean by self-compassion? Self-compassion, when you're compassionate, you're really, first of all, in tune with your emotions and your, your sensations in that moment. And then you are being kind to yourself. You want to help yourself because um, you can be um, aware, but then you're not necessarily, I like to explain it actually is, mm -hmm. are you talking to yourself like you're like a good best friend mm -hmm. or are you flogging yourself like a horse to keep on going? Sometimes we think we're doing it to motivate ourselves, but in reality, the lack of self-compassion doesn't motivate us. It brings us down. It crushes us. Um, and I, mean, I feel that we do suffer a lot of, of this, that we, we really treat ourselves in a, in a bad way, um, especially women and mothers. Um, Self-compassion doesn't always feature, unfortunately. Um, it's either our culture, I don't know what it is, um, but it's very, very common in the people I've come across. In fact, that's what I work on a lot, I, a big dose of learning mm -hmm. to love ourselves. Because sometimes people might think that learning to love yourself means learning to become selfish. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's not what we're saying. Mm -hmm. um, for example, me as a mother, I, I take care of myself so that then I am stronger mm -hmm. to help my family, mm -hmm. my husband and my children. Yes, sometimes you have to learn it. The the difficult way as well. There might be an experience in your life that uh, puts you um, in a situation where you have to learn to be compassionate um, towards yourself because for the same reason, if you cannot take care of yourself, rightly so, you're not capable of taking care of others. Um, and you have uh, um, mentioned some personal experiences that have led you towards this part. Maybe you'd like to share some, uh, some sure. insight. And what you said is really for what I think helps me to be resilient. When hard things happen, we have a choice to either crumble under them or else to be resilient and mm -hmm. grow from and, them. And, and I think before 
mind before I tapped into mindfulness, I used other things to help me be resilient. So yes, when I was at school, I was very introverted, very quiet, um, and I was a bit bullied. In those days, okay. there wasn't much awareness of it. And at that time, my way of being resilient was to push myself to become outgoing. So mm -hmm. I spent 20 years working in marketing, okay. to public speaking. So you, you went against your, uh, how can I say, your, your natural inclinations to, to, to change, to change your, yes. uh, your way, right? doesn't, it's, it was good because I didn't have that problem of the personalization where I blamed myself. I said, no, let me, the others were mm -hmm. not very nice, but I can do something about it. Mm -hmm. Let me mm -hmm. keep on going. Um, but then what happened was, as I grew older, I noticed that in my heart, I was still the hurt little girl. And to make it even worse, my husband, which, yes, is a doctor and has quite a stressful position. Mm -hmm. in I can imagine. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of stress in our life, a lot of reactivity, anger, worrying. And again, this time in my life where things were not good at all helped me I see it as a help a challenge is for me in a way it can be a help yes sometimes it's it's an eye-opener when you have uh, heard uh, if it's a big one it, it really changes your life around I decided that it depends on me that I realized at the beginning I mentioned the three p's of resilience another p of resilience is permanence some people think that things will never change it's all mm -hmm. doom and gloom forever mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for me it wasn't like that I said no it's not going to be all doom and gloom forever I want to do something and I'm going to change my life. Mm -hmm. Let me work on me. Let me learn self-compassion. Let me learn to love myself again. Really love myself, not look good in front of people, but then when I'm alone at home, I'm sad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the journey started from there. So I learned mindfulness. Um, I learned how to listen to myself and how I'm talking to myself. Is it a story? Is my husband really not caring about me or is it maybe his has son issue right now? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's a journey that took a number of years, but yes. And, and this is very much related as well because sometimes um, we use food um, to comfort us and it is obscuring all the other issues that we have and being, being more mindful and uh, understanding ourselves will help us for sure detach our uh, our emotional attachment to food. And I feel that before you can do that, you cannot really move on before you find something to replace um, that gain that, that we get out of food. In fact, I wanted to ask you, because um, we, we often use it, we all do it, um, we often use food as a reward or as a punishment for sabotaging ourselves. And, you know, we're doing really great for some reason. <laughs> we, we go give in to something and uh, then we feel really bad about it, really guilty and, uh, and you know, spend the whole day really upset. How can we apply mindfulness to breaking out of this relationship with food? Maybe you would like to share some practical tips that we can do. You mentioned the raisin and maybe some other ideas that we can try out yeah. as well. Um, first of all, um, before we do that, I'll mention one other thing because it's linked to what you said. Mm -hmm. You mentioned some um, our issue with food and, and we're never going to manage and everything is bad. The third P, so we mentioned resilience and the three Ps. One of them mm -hmm. was we're blaming always, always ourselves. The other one was we think it's always going to be, going to be like that. The third one is pervasiveness. Um, we assume that because one thing isn't functioning in our lives, everything else is horrible. With mm -hmm. food. 
then everything else is tragic. Everything else is mm-hmm. bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and this makes it very difficult then to see the silver lining and other things that are happening. Now let's link it to food and weight loss. When we're using food as a reward and we're not mindful, for us, the food is unconsciously an automatic response. We go to food when we're uh, feeling anxious, when we're feeling down. There are different ways people go to food. Mm-hmm. It could be binge eating, emotional mm-hmm. eating. Um, uh, there was another one I can't remember. Then attentional eating, where you, when you see something, you're always just seeing food around you. Mm-hmm. Is some. Um, through mindfulness practice, maybe, maybe, which maybe actually there is evidence, but anyway. It takes some, some work, right? Listen. <laughs> All right, I enjoy eating, but what else is happening in my life that I am grateful for? Mm-hmm. What can I connect with that fills my heart as well? The touch of a child, of my son, my daughter. Um, the smell of the fresh air when I go out for a walk in the morning. The hot shower. So you start increasing your awareness emotionally. First of all, of other things that are happening in your life, which are not just food. Mm-hmm. And when there is something, when you have a, an issue with, you know, there's an anger in your life, sadness, you're aware that it's there. And you're more aware of the fact that maybe you are um, uh, sometimes using food to solve the, the the emotional hurt you have mm-hmm. and that's a vicious cycle then um, it makes it even worse if you're not aware of the emotion it just happens you, you go and you binge eat mm-hmm. um whilst with mindfulness you learn to accept any feelings that come and instead of acting on them make space for them and say all right and even when you don't manage when maybe sometimes you've you just go and you eat, I don't know what. Mm-hmm. Then the self-compassion comes. Eya, pacienza, you didn't manage. You, that, that thing happened. Let me, then you can practice the meditations mm-hmm. and, and more. So that now when that emotion comes again, that caused me to do this, I'll be more Maybe aware of, what, of its in a different way. Mm-hmm. coming up. But, uh-huh. For those who manage to find a way to uh, um, uh, not go into that pattern of eating and then uh, quitting and so on, are, are those who really have success in the, in the end? And because they manage to detach um, the reward and the gain and the emotional relationship with food, and, and they treat food more as something that we need to live because it is something that is important and we do enjoy it after all um, rather than being the focus of their life so what you're saying it makes a lot of sense because uh, it helps us detach um, our our long baggage (laughs) with food Um, maybe some some tips that we can uh, even while we're I don't know uh, going through through a bit of a binge um, uh, what what can we do to to help us slow down and, uh, and and shift our attention, maybe, or when we're thinking about uh, about going into create into into binging, for example, um, it's not a a quick fix. There's no quick fix like in mm-hmm. medicine where you just pop a pill when it's happening. Uh-huh. It has to be something which you're cultivating on a, on 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 like the sea when the sea is you would the do the sun, homework before and then when the waves come you're stronger but for sure my invitation to everybody is to 
take some time, even if it's one minute in the morning before you start your day and one minute later on, to ground yourself, connect with your heart, breathe. So you, even a minute of feeling that air. Feeling alive. Alive. And notice, are we breathing from up here, from the chest? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or are we breathing from down in the belly? Because very often, because of life and how it is, we chest breathe, mm -hmm. which is, makes us very much in fight-flight mode. Breathing deeper down from the, the tummy, from the belly, um, it stimulates the vagus nerve, your rest and digest mm -hmm. system. And taking these deeper breaths, maybe can help us to calm down, put a space between the thought of maybe let's go, let me go and open the fridge and yourself and say, hey, yeah, no, I don't think I need to do this right mm -hmm. now. Let me go and do, do something, something else, which is nourishing. So it gives, it gives us enough time to catch up on, on that, uh, that, how can I say, um, that train, right? Rather than going full speed to the kitchen, we slow down and give ourselves some more time to uh, to understand what's actually happening. Now, maybe some take home messages um, uh, for us, both as a professional and, and as a mother. <laughs> um, Ara, my, my biggest passion in sharing with the world and why I do all this is for all of us all um, to really understand the gift that we have. Each day we open our eyes in the morning and we're alive, even if maybe we're woken up and we have somewhere hurting us. We have a gift, it's there, the gift of the present moment. See, it's mm -hmm. a present. Mm -hmm. And um, let's learn to love ourselves. You know, there might be times where we don't feel very energetic, we feel tired, we just want to go back to sleep. Can I listen to myself? What do I need right now? Can I be empathic towards myself? And remembering that by really listening to what you need, maybe it's a good night's sleep, maybe it's a walk in nature, um, whatever, any simple thing. Learning to love yourself because this will give you the strength then to reach out to your children when he comes and tells you, oh, ma, you don't <laughs> shut him up. <laughs> what do you want? Because you've, you've had time to ground yourself. You've had time to be with yourself. And there you're there. You're looking at him in the eyes. You're listening to what he's saying. Because it's not an easy job being a parent. No, indeed, indeed. And, and sometimes it's very tiring as well. So it's good to take a step back and <laughs> allow ourselves to, to ground ourselves, to calm down as well, to be more receptive as well to, to our loved ones and, and yes, their needs. And going to the very first thing you told me, the, 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 the quote, um, reconnecting mm -hmm. as well with this bit of this inner child, you know. But let's In life, we're, when we're adults, we're so responsible i am responsible i'm not saying that um, uh, let's learn to lighten up have mm -hmm. fun get back to doing something fun and silly um uh, we, we, we only have one life let's live it well um there is the responsibility yes but the lightheartedness as well you That's know with, with whatever we have and it helps, it helps. I'm effectively reminding me once I went to a talk, <laughs> I think I'll, I'll close from my side with that. Um, it was a, a Chinese um, uh, expert on meditation who was very elderly. And I think one of the first things he said uh, was, you know, we have to be lighthearted and he was jumping around and really energetic. And it really struck me because we 
um, how can I say, we carry around so much with us that we, we not only our soul is heavy, but also our, our body. So your advice is perfectly valid and, and it's good to remind ourselves to uh, to do that um, every day if needs be. Now, Petra, how can you be reached? Um, how can you be followed? Maybe you'd like to share um, uh, your social yes. media or, or your website. Um, I do have a, my mindfulness page on Facebook. It's a bit long and complicated. Maybe then you can share Yes, it for it. sure, for sure. It's awake, number two, life, mindful mm -hmm. living by bubbly me. Because as you okay. can see, even though I teach meditation and mindfulness, I'm quite a bubbly type of person. Um, so they can reach me there or through an email, um, uh, which is bbmpetra at hotmail.com. Mm -hmm. And uh, yes, I regularly try to organize um, uh, classes, sessions uh, to support us all to really live life awake, not just passive. Thank you very much, Petra, for this beautiful insight. Um, uh, I look forward to, to sharing it with our guests and uh, I'm sure that they will gain a lot from, from this experience as well. My pleasure. My pleasure to Thank be with you, you and to, to reach out to more people. Thank you very much. <laughs>